0: As soon as you shut your door and you hear them howling or playing with each other, your whole day shifts. And um, it's almost hard to, it's it's not almost, it's very hard to leave. (laughs) It's very hard to leave.
1: I'm Phil Hatterman, and you're listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today on Dog Words, the founder of Sacred Paws, And Certified Dog Behavior Consultant, Certified Positive Reinforcement Dog Trainer, and Certified Professional Canine Nutritionist, Stephanie Smith, returns to discuss her work with the Wolves of Maine Sanctuary. Her previous interview on developing happier and healthier relationships with your dog is linked in the description. We return to some of those topics in this interview. Even if you don't have a wolf hybrid, you'll want to listen to the entire episode if you're a dog owner or a dog lover. Also in the description is a link to our interview with Kim Prenti and Chelsea Morey from Wolves of Maine. In that episode, as well as today's, we list many ways that volunteers can help the sanctuary. Of course, donations are always welcome, but there are two ways in particular that I want to highlight. First is that a donation to Wolves of Maine is a great gift, especially if you're doing any birthday or holiday shopping for someone who may already have enough electronics and clothes. Wolves of Maine will soon offer the opportunity to sponsor one of their residents. Use the Support the Pack button at wolvesofmaine.org or follow them on social media to learn more. Keep checking the website or follow them on social media for when this feature will launch. The second way to help Wolves of Maine is to volunteer your services as a grant writer. If you have experience in this field, you can help them from anywhere in the world. Securing grants will help with staffing needs and capital improvements. I also want to remind you, Stephanie offers online consulting for dog behavior and nutrition through Sacred Paws. Links to our sacredpaws.com and all of its social media are in the description. If you're new to Dog Words, in each episode we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We Save Each Other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. You can support Rosie Fund by making a donation on our website or Facebook page. You can also contribute by making a purchase from the store on our website, buying a t shirt at bonfire.com, or buying our note cards featuring Rosie and Peaches and our shirts on barkyours.com. Links are in the description. Your donations and purchases help fund the Rosie Life Starter Kits that make sure these senior and harder to adopt dogs have some of the items they'll need in their forever home. Any donation amount is greatly appreciated, but here are some popular levels. $30 provides a collar and leash for a Rosie Life Starter Kit dog, and $100 covers their entire kit. You can also support Rosie Fund by downloading, subscribing, rating, and most importantly, sharing dog words. Follow us on social media even if you aren't looking for a dog. Watching and sharing the videos helps our channel gain exposure, bringing awareness to our cause, and giving shelter dogs much-needed attention. Our free Rosie Fund YouTube channel offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, Vinny, and shelter dogs looking for their forever home. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions, especially if you have an idea for a topic or guest. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. I am delighted to welcome back to Dog Words, Stephanie Smith. If you did not hear the Sacred Paws episode of Dog Words, that will be linked in the description. And you don't have to hear it before you hear this one, but I think after you hear this one, you'll want to go back and learn more about what Stephanie does and what Sacred Paws offers for animal owners, animal lovers. Stephanie, welcome back to Dog Words.
0: Hi, Phil. Thank you so much for having me on your show again. Uh, this is such an honor to be back.
1: So Yeah, that's validation that I wasn't just blowing smoke when I said I enjoyed having you on and thanked you for being on the last time. The fact that you get brought back is, is validation that we loved having you on. You had great information. People enjoyed that interview. You were brought to our attention by the guests we had, Kim and Chelsea, from Wolves of Maine, Talking about this wonderful person who has made their lives easier and the wolf hybrids' lives better with their contributions. And that person is you, Stephanie. So tell us just a little bit about what you do with Wolves of Maine.
0: Thank you, Phil. So I am the lead behavior and nutrition consultant at Wolves of Maine Sanctuary in Southern Maine. And my role is to support them any way I can with regards to behavior remediation, cooperative care, of course, uh, nutrition, diet, more from the traditional Chinese medicine lens, but um, it's a pretty dynamic role. But uh, specifically, it's... How can we support them moment to moment, day to day? And that includes all kinds of things. So uh, if we have an emergency vet visit, of course, we prepare for that. But it it means that I'm on site, maybe helping with that. I'm uh, helping prepare for other things. So it's very dynamic in terms of what the organization needs and how it can support them in those avenues.
1: In the previous Interview, we talked about what you do with Sacred Paws and your approach to dog behavior and the human animal bond and working with those relationships. Had you had much experience with wolves or wolf hybrids before working with Wolves of Maine Sanctuary?
0: That's a great question. Uh, No, not really.
1: (laughs) And I think that would be most behaviorists' answer.
0: Yeah, like, you know, there probably yeah. aren't a lot of
1: dog behaviorists out there who can also say. And I have extensive background working with wolves and wolf hybrids.
0: Yeah, no, uh, you know, back in 2018 is when I began working with the organization, but then and just I uh, came away for a period of time and then made a return in the last year, year and a half. So no, my my. <laughs> Uh, history is not extensively and exclusively wolves Uh, so there are a lot of overlaps in terms of canine behavior and wolf behavior uh, but there are some obvious differences too so part of that is researching more on my end in my own time and also through experience you know just like um, if you do anything new there are certain things a book can't teach you and you're going to learn in the field Mm so
1: what sort of differences might surprise our listeners who have the mindset that dogs are just domesticated wolves.
0: I personally feel a little worried about that easy uh, comparison. Obviously, it, it is easy to some degree, but when we look at it from owning a wolf dog or owning a wolf hybrid, because it is glamorized to some degree, there are big differences. And and it's easy when you see a cute little puppy and think oh this thing's going to be a great pet it's going to hang out on the couch and do all the things we do we're going to go to dog parks or whatever you're going to do but ultimately there are certain components that are more or less we'll say hardwired into the animal and so there's certain needs that are far greater than most people can handle and that's why wolves of maine sanctuary exists because all of these wonderful animals have been surrendered or otherwise came from really poor situations and now that means the trajectory of their life has shifted as a result of the trauma they've experienced, as a result of the abuse they've experienced, and so forth. So there there are massive differences between the two. It, it is tough sometimes when people just kind of throw them in the same box, even though I understand they do belong in the same box to some degree, but there are big differences.
1: What are the first steps you take when a new Guest is brought into the sanctuary.
0: The biggest component is we have to be vigilant and really see with clear eyes. And what this means is for the rest of the life of the wolf or wolf hybrid, wolf dog, we are observing their body language. Just like when adopting a dog from a rescue, the first 90 days are critical because. This dog just experienced a huge transition, just like ourselves. If we were to have a divorce or move or go through some arduous event in our lives, it usually takes some time to to process and digest the stress of that situation.
1: Even if the wolf hybrid was mistreated or neglected, it's still being taken away from the only humans it knew right whether they were treating it mm-hmm. properly or not right so now even though it is being surrounded by people who love it and want what's best for it they're total strangers
0: mhm yeah so the first 90 days are really important of course for the rest of the lives we we'll always be observing what they're experiencing and then we set up a plan to best support them and that plan is very malleable and it, it shifts day to day. It, it shifts moment to moment. And there are so many questions we're not able to get answers about. And that's typical for rescue dogs as well in terms of what were the parents like? What, what kind of lives did they live? What did they eat? What did Was it a stress-reductive uh, environment? Same thing with the grandparents. What happened when mom was pregnant? Was that a a good pregnancy? How many male dogs and female dogs were in utero? That can shift behavior. And then what did they learn? What were their experiences? What happened in the first four months of their lives are really critical. If they're 100% wolf, then we're looking at what happened in the first 19 days. So that makes a big difference too, in terms of what are they going to find to be normal, if you will. So, for instance, with a dog, within the first four months—if you more or less four months—if you're not exposing them positively with life's events, that could be umbrellas, vacuums, uh, road noise, airplane traffic—they will naturally become neophobic to it. So, they'll be they'll have a natural. Fear or hesitancy around whatever that is. the Same is true for wolves. So, uh, but for full-bred wolves, that is a very short, much shorter window. So we have to figure out: well, did they have good exposure? Did they have poor exposure? Most of our uh, crew, we call we call our kids. (laughs) So most of our kids are have uh, unfortunately come from very unfortunate situations. So we have to really be mindful of what their needs are and and how to support them in the moment. So, you know, to come full circle back to your question of what do we do with a newcomer? Like recently, we just rescued Howell and he's so lovey. Oh my goodness, what a sweetheart. But he did come from a situation that was very trying and certain traumatic events have greatly affected him. So as we get to know him, we have to figure out, what oh, what is triggering him? You know, he's in a new environment. Is he um, struggling with the wind? Is he struggling with uh, bugs? You know, he lived inside his whole life. So he's eight years old and now he lives outside, although he does get some time on a couch getting belly rubs. Uh, (laughs) But um, now he's in this new environment. and, And so there's so many factors and. And watching his body language is absolutely key to supporting him and to support the staff and giving him a good life while he's with us.
1: You can anticipate what some triggers might be. For instance, you identified he lived mostly inside, so maybe outside things like bugs and birds might be a trigger for him, so test for that. But you can't possibly anticipate every trigger or test for everything. For instance, volunteering in a shelter, you'll have a dog that he gets along with other dogs and seems to get along with children and people. But then the first time somebody walks by with a stroller, this dog f- freaks out. Well, we didn't test mm-hmm. for that. Or the first time a guy walks by wearing a bandana on his head, he freaks out. It's like, It's Well, we couldn't test for strollers and bandanas in, in the shelter without someone just happen to walk in like that do you get those sort of surprises where you think, okay, we have this dog in a good situation and we've kind of figured out what is most comfortable for them. And then a year or two later it's, Oh, that was out of left field.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So especially living in a seasonal area, we're located in Southern Maine and we're entering our shoulder season. So it gets rainy and muddy and a little yucky and it's cold. Mm -hmm. So things like, The swooshing of a waterproof jacket can be a trigger. Wearing a hood can be a trigger. Puffy hats (laughs) that Mm -hmm. look like squirrel tails can be a trigger. So seasonally can certainly be a factor if our wolves and wolf hybrids and dogs are adverse to snow or rain (laughs) or uh, the sound of equipment. So one thing we do on site is we prepare them for the next season by taking out the snowblower and running it from afar, and then moving it around the yard so they can sniff it and get used to it again. Because of these triggers that we can't necessarily always anticipate, what we do try to do is have some plan in place in terms of, okay... Plow season's coming, can we move the plow up and down and just get them used to that sound again and just watch body language. If we had anyone triggered by that, then we would begin a a plan of desensitizing slash counter-conditioning, which is to support them in having a new emotional state around what those sounds mean.
1: You are probably way better at reading dog and wolf-dog behavior than most humans, and the same can probably be said of the experienced personnel at the sanctuary. No one's going to be as good as a dog or a wolf at it, and I've talked about this before on previous interviews. Our dog, Peaches, was a tester dog when she was in the shelter at KC Pet Project. If a dog seemed to be okay with being in a playgroup any given size, they would put it in a play group where Peaches was at, and then they would watch how Peaches reacted to that dog. And she would show them this dog is socialized or this dog needs correction or this dog is scared or this dog mm-hmm. is too aggressive. She would tell them before you could read any of the signs. And a matter of fact, the behaviorist that we discussed this with was very upset when she was moved to one of their annex locations And he can no longer use her as his tester. She was the best tester dog. And it's like, now I have to do it on my own or find another tester dog. (laughs) How much do you use the other wolves either formally or informally as your testers and even as the instructors for the other wolves or the new wolves and wolf hybrids?
0: We like to move, what's the term, slow as uh, was it? Slow, smooth, slow, is smooth, smooth, smooth is, is fast. fast. Yeah. That's <laughs>
1: a, yeah, that's a special ops thing. I think seals yes. use that. Yeah. Slow, yeah, is smooth, so smooth as fast.
0: That's it. Time is on our hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not so, trying to get these
1: adopted. You don't need to find out right. how do we update this bio so that we get it in the right home. You need to figure right. out how do we give this dog the best life in the sanctuary.
0: Exactly. So we take it really slow, especially, you know, coming back to Howell. He's still in that 90 day time frame. So he's he's very new to our sanctuary. So we take our time in in having him exposed to other wolf hybrids and wolf dogs on site just merely by sniffing each other through the fence line The way we have things structured is that we can be hands-off. This takes the human out of the element. So if if we have a human on site that's not feeling grounded, that's maybe has any tension in their body, could be stressed from the ride over, whatever the case may be. What's nice about this approach is that we can really um, look at it pretty cleanly. We could, of course, rub against what's called barrier frustration. when. Dogs or wolves aren't able to go through their proper greeting because there's a leash or an X pen, or in our case, a fence that can be an issue. So, we would have to mitigate that, but we haven't had to uh, mitigate that on site to date. So, in terms of Howl, you know, one, there's a female dog named Kaya, and she is part shepherd part wolf she's beautiful and he really has a liking to her and what we like to do is pair them off in terms of getting time to play together and making sure they're the appropriate play style so for instance one of our wolves okami he is I you know if he had a side job it'd be like parkouring you know he was like how can I jump on you know can I how can I jump off of this and do this and he's pretty animated and super funny but for a more retracted shy just enjoys looking around and exploring that would be a mismatch most likely and of course it all depends but that potentially could be a mismatch so For Howell, he's very much more gentler, likes things a little bit more calm, doesn't like a lot of stimulus. And Kaya is very similar, and she's not big on over the top, Mm -hmm. (laughs) over the top play. So, what we're beginning to do is allow her to be adjacent to his enclosure so they can get used to being around each other. And we would just monitor the body language from there. So this is how we find ways to support them emotionally, mentally, socially, and physically, of course, too.
1: Do you have any of the residents who've been there long enough that you really see them evolve from this rescue animal that isn't comfortable figuring things out to now they're not just comfortable, but thriving because you can be content and accepting of your situation or you can embrace it. And it's like, this isn't just something that I've gotten used to. This is something that I love. Have you seen that evolution?
0: Yeah. So our longer residents for sure. And what we've seen over time, because we, we just did a big move. So we were at this new location for almost a year now. And so we've, we've had some time to get to know them. And, and of course, we've had to make some adjustments over time. But you can definitely see them thriving. So we have gone through that full evolution. And all of that is contributed to constantly observing them, watching what they love, what they need and helping them live their best lives. So, for instance, Trouble, he loves doing some scent games. So we usually include that on a fairly regular basis where we hide treats and he has to find them. And uh, same with Dakota, he's our blind wolf hybrid site he's another they're all so sweet and so we do different games with him to help him you know live his best life and we really do see that and it shines through not only their uh, behavioral expressions but also physically you know physically they're more vital and you can see it in their excitement when you arrive so we thankfully have been able to see that full evolution over time with them and meeting them where they're at has been the biggest key to success in helping them live their most vital lives.
1: You mentioned pairing dogs based on their personality, their play style, so that it's compatible. So they're going to have their favorite wolf partner. Do you see any of them gravitating toward particular people, that they have their favorite human?
0: They do, yeah. So like our director, Kim Printy, Every time she pulls up, the whole pack erupts. It's really adorable. So they howl. And it's, they'll do it for about a minute as she's, you know, coming in. And so they all love, absolutely love her. Uh, Bobby, How great who,
1: must it be to be her? No matter what kind of day you're having, <laughs> like dealing with paperwork or is a plumbing issue or contractors or just you didn't sleep well. But then you get that. How must yeah. that turn your day around?
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Honestly, as soon as you come on site, you just feel like n- nothing else matters and everything just melts away. And I don't want to speak for the staff, but I can certainly say it's in my observation. I've seen that true with our board of trustees. I've seen that true with our volunteers. I've seen that true with um, our maintenance staff person and so it's it's so wonderful to just see like as soon as you shut your door and you hear them howling or playing with each other, your whole day shifts and um it's almost hard to it's it's not almost it's very hard to leave.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's very hard to
0: leave. I forget you so. have other
1: obligations.
0: Yes, yes. You can get just lost in their world, and it's a good place to be lost.
1: (laughs) After you mentioned Kim, I cut you off. You were uh, starting to talk about one of the other staff members.
0: Yeah, Bobby. He is uh, so wonderful. He is in charge of our maintenance and uh, among many other. He's our, our jack of all trades. He does everything on site. And... One thing about, you know, coming back around to Howell again, being new to our sanctuary, when he sees Bobby, oh my goodness, he just lights up. And it's so wonderful to observe who they're excited to see and who they, I wouldn't say necessarily prefer, but we all have our favorite humans in our lives and it's mm-hmm. like hey when you see certain people at parties you're like oh I'm so glad you're here and you mm-hmm. end up talking for hours or whatever the case so in terms of our wolf pack and humans they really enjoy seeing there's at least in my experience I can tell that certain wolves prefer to uh they're excited to see particular humans for sure
1: the contributions that you can make to the sanctuary are obvious because of your background with dog behavior and nutrition i'm sure there's lots of people who would like to help but are not certified in uh, all the different modalities that you have what other kinds of opportunities are there for people to contribute at wolves of maine
0: we are a volunteer organization currently and you know, we have a, a really wonderful foundation. You know, Sue, our founder is tremendous. Bobby, our maintenance individual, he's amazing. Our director, Kim Printy, superb. Chelsea, who's on the board of trustees, who also works with some of our social media, amazing. Jeremy, he is one of our volunteers and he does a lot of the background technology stuff that I clearly can't speak to because I'm not good at technology at all. But he handles a lot of that kind of background organization, but also wonderfully handles some other things on site. What we really need as an organization is to be able to hire staff. Our wolves, from a behavioral standpoint especially, really do need that continuity of seeing the same face regularly, that helps them build trust, that helps them build confidence and a stronger nervous system as a result, because they naturally feel safer when they see the same faces every day. So we are certainly looking for volunteer grant writers to help us find and receive grants to start that process.
1: And that's something someone can do remotely. They don't have to be in Southern Maine. They can be anywhere in the world if they are an experienced grant writer. If that is their talent, what a wonderful Mm -hmm. way to contribute is to share that skill.
0: Absolutely. And that's what's so wonderful is that this can be done at home in your pajamas with your cup of tea Mm -hmm. (laughs) at your desk. (laughs) So that position would be really tremendous. We're also looking to expand our enclosure spaces as well as add other yards if you will to have more yard time for our residents. And fencing, you know, for instance, a 1200 linear foot installment of fencing is roughly around 50 grand and uh, fencing has obviously gone up over the last couple of years. So that's going to require quite a bit of funding as well. So those three things are pretty critical, and a grant writer would really support us tremendously in helping meet those other goals that we need to meet.
1: A grant writer would be beneficial, even just someone who is a contractor who's worked with fencing might be able to help you get access to where can we get this cheaper or who is in a position to do a overrun purchase, like buy more materials than they need and then donate the excess to Wolves of Maine. So even if you don't have the solution, if you can't provide what it takes to get it over the finish line, if there's something you can do to get it out of the starting blocks... That's valuable.
0: Right. So valuable. And there's so many other ways to support a sanctuary other than what you see on site. And those two pieces are really huge. Or even if it's a sponsoring a wolf, you can do that on a monthly basis or a one-time basis. And that can all be done through the org website. And so even something like that, maybe that's a Christmas gift for a niece or mm-hmm. or nephew. And nephews. how
1: excited with your niece B to know that your gift is you're sponsoring this beautiful animal and to have a picture of that and, and uh-huh. post that on their social media instead of their latest meal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I think that is uh, certainly uh, more worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. What,
1: what, what gift do you give? And so many, this is why I rarely give gifts, is when I was a child, it was a big deal to get anything. Um, mm-hmm. because there was no Amazon who would deliver it the next day, mm-hmm. and uh cash flow just didn't seem to work the same way when I was a kid as it does for children now who seem to get what they want immediately, so how mm-hmm. do you find a gift for someone who already gets everything they want um, mm-hmm. this gift one would address this was unexpected something they they wouldn't have gotten for themselves. And two, is also creating a teachable moment about service and giving and focusing on something greater than yourself. And what a great opportunity with using Wolves of Maine as the gift. So I think that's a great idea, Stephanie.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And we appreciate everyone's support, big or small, it it all compounds and and really makes a difference for our wolves, wolf hybrids, and wolf dogs.
1: We've discussed some of the differences and false assumptions, perhaps, that people have about wolves and wolf hybrids compared to domestic dogs, but it's also obvious how much you and everyone loves these animals, how attached you must be to them. Are there Challenges or risks of having that comfort level with something that, while intelligent and sweet and loving, is still in large part a wild animal that is 100, 150 pounds with a mouthful of literal canine teeth? Mm-hmm. Does complacency sometimes set in? How do you stay vigilant and careful around? what can be a very dangerous situation?
0: That's a great question. And, you know, this same parallel can be used with dogs too well, because we as humans do get comfortable and therefore we do miss signs. You and know? there's so many
1: tragic stories about, you know, children left alone with a dog. It, he was so sweet with, you don't leave a dog alone with an infant or a toddler mm-hmm. because, again, you don't know what all the triggers are. and. right you don't want to blame the victim, but odds are something happened with the child that triggered the dog. Yeah. That's yeah. not the child's fault. That's not the dog's fault. That's the caretaker's fault who mm-hmm. created the situation. So yeah, I went down I'm that sure. aside, but then.
0: No, that's okay. Cause the parallels are there and, and it's true for both sides of the coin, if you will. And the biggest component is we have to look for what we call sometimes the subtle signs, but they're really not that subtle when you start to observe them and you really get familiar with them. So, for instance, as humans, we often see by the time a canine gets to a growl, we missed about probably five to ten signs. (laughs) So one huge component of Wolves of Main Sanctuary is We train the staff to see these signs and to understand these signs and to remain vigilant and not to fall into that too comfortable category, especially when we don't know the history of all these canines. So something can just pop up out of the blue that we had no idea triggered them. And just like a PTSD response in a human, that could happen in an instant. So we have to stay vigilant. We have to be mindful. We have to communicate with each other. We track behavior and we say, oh, well, yeah, we notice when we bent over to tie our shoe right next to their food, one of them growled. So, okay, well, we're next to their food, so that's one thing. But we also bent over, which in the canine were hunched over, bent over in their proximity. It can be very rude in the canine world. So we train the staff about canine etiquette, canine body language, and we do so throughout the year so we can help prevent any of those potentially dangerous situations from happening.
1: Do you do the training or orientation? Do you have a role in that for anyone who's new to help them understand here are the things you need to look for?
0: I do. Yeah. So I am the one who will do all the trainings regarding behavior and safety, right prevention, stressors, how to identify triggers, what body language we can use to support our wolf hybrids and wolf dogs nervous system. So they stay regulated and feeling good instead of potentially triggered. And in addition to that, our interns and our staff have to go through a process before they're able to be hands on to also add that extra layer of protection, not only for the interns and the staff, but also for our wolves, because it is a one strike rule in the state of Maine if there is a bite. So we're very mindful about that. And we want everyone to have an enjoyable experience. And this educational component is a big component of the Wolf Sanctuary and uh, especially anyone who's on site. We're also actively holding seminars for local colleges so that we can educate students who are in the behavior realm or working in or potentially earning a degree in ecology so the other thing that we actively do is educate the local college students. We visit schools and we talk to the children about safety and what wolves are and, and show them pictures of our residents. So that, that is a big part of our role, too, is to educate people on how to be safe with their own dogs, but also to understand wolves and wolf hybrids and wolf dogs.
1: Even though the focus of the training you do for personnel and for briefing visitors to the sanctuary on here is uh, what you'll be allowed to do and what you need to look for, do you get feedback from those trainings, feedback that, oh, I'm going to have to rethink the way I interact with my own dog. I had not Mm -hmm. thought about that, the heightened focus of, interacting with the wolf, maybe reframes their interactions with domesticated dogs.
0: Yes, that happens a lot. And I, and that's one reason why I love the seminars, whether they're in-house or out of house, because it really helps people to start to pan out and see, oh, wow, like, how can I better support my dog? And, oh, I didn't realize when I go to pick up my dog's favorite toy that he's upset and he's showing signs of lip licks and Mm -hmm. head turns or maybe his tail's tucked down or maybe he's frozen. Something you think is acute
1: affectation is actually a sign of stress that you need to be responding to.
0: Yes, absolutely. One of the biggest, and I see this on social media all the time, and it's, it's hard to watch, but when we see the ears go back and the big puppy eye, what looks like big puppy eyes and they look so cute and like, oh, they want to be cuddled. and they're like, mm, No, that's called an appeasement signal and they need space. They are triggered. Teaching these layers of canine body language is so critical and the tool to empower people to take those tools and also see, well, how can I... Now, let me observe my dog. What's going on in my dog's world? And wow, I didn't realize that the neighbor that lives above me stomping in the morning is triggering my dog. How can I support him with mm-hmm. that? So there's all those those layers that are, are really important to set everyone up for success. And I, so I just love seeing those wheels turning and those light bulbs going off. or like, oh, wow. Well, I I I can you know, use these tools to better support my family and better support my dog. Yeah, I see that almost always, and I, I just love that.
1: You can modify your behavior in your relationship with your dog, but then triggers or stimuli that are external to that relationship, like the loud neighbor upstairs, is a little trickier to handle, and that's where someone like you, Stephanie, or other behavior professionals can help you figure out how do we desensitize, acclimate, mitigate, address this instead of, oh, now I know that my dog is annoyed by the person upstairs. Well, you could move, but that might not be practical for everyone. (laughs) Or you could convince your neighbor to move and a new tenant to wear socks instead of shoes. (laughs) But working with a professional is uh, probably the better route to go. So check out the link to Sacred Paws in the description or check for someone local or look for recommendations from your local shelters because most shelters work with behaviorists and they can give you a recommendation and make your life better, make your dog's life better. But also follow Stephanie online, follow Wolves of Maine Sanctuary online, the links to their social media are in the description and you'll get to see all of the wolf hybrids that Stephanie has named in this interview. And if you had any doubt that she was overstating how amazing and beautiful and sweet these animals are, if anything, she was underselling it. They're just amazing. (laughs) And uh, yeah, seeing them on Instagram and Facebook and following them. And you talked about how you have, All four seasons there in Maine. Kim and Chelsea were talking about winter is a really special time that they just love the snow. Mm -hmm. So you'll get to see that coming up.
0: Yes, they love the snow. Chelsea and Kim were probably underselling how much they love the snow too. (laughs) But yeah, we play so many snow games and they just come alive in the winter time, they're just so in their element it's it's really beautiful to see them just really come full force into wintertime
1: is there anything from working with wolves of maine that you take back to sacred paws that helps you with working with your clients and their dogs
0: that's such a great question one of, I think, the biggest components is variety and helping support my dog. So for instance, at the Wolf Sanctuary, we mix things up all the time in terms of what enrichments are we going to do? What games are we going to play? What yard space are we going to go to? Will we incorporate some kind of scent work with the wolves today? And or how can we support them more physically? Variety is such a huge component in supporting our dogs mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And when I think about what I do at the Wolf Sanctuary and then how I can take some of those daily lessons or you know, daily to-dos or something that comes to me in inspiration... I certainly interweave that into work with my clients. And variety is one thing I talk about quite a bit, because I think of a lot of humans feel, okay, I have to walk my dog, I have to walk one mile or whatever the case may be. And then they do it in such a way that's very regimented, very linear, and it's not seeing the world through the dog's lens. For instance, a canine's nose is, gosh, a hundred plus fold stronger than our own noses. And we often see the world through our eyes. And and if we're going to parallel these things, we really want to see walks through the dog's nose. And you mentioned last time we were together how you would let Rosie choose which way she, or was it Peaches? It was, was Peaches. It Peaches? Peaches. And I did the so same it, thing
1: with Rosie previous to that. That she uh-huh. was was the same way that she would let you know. Here's here's where I want to go. It's like okay, let's do yeah. that. So yeah. Rosie and Peaches definitely. Vinny, not so much.
0: Yeah. So it's like you give them first of all you give them body autonomy, which is really important and obviously the the vetoes as you would call them i love that word so i'm gonna steal that from phil and mm-hmm. use it the vetoes are hey we have a time constraint or hey this is not safe and that's what we do as pet guardians and that's what a, a healthy parent does and mm-hmm. so the dogs are no different in that and supporting our dogs through that body autonomy lens through that variety lens giving them agency and choice in their day is really critical. And if I remember the statistic correctly, one day of a dog's world is the equivalent of one week when we look at it from a human lens. So it's like when one day goes by, your dog lived a full week. So it's like, how can I make my dogs weak? And and that's such a huge chunk of time, giving your dog agency and what they get to do. Maybe they want a nappy time at a certain time. Maybe they seem to need to eat regularly at 7am or whatever the case may be. Those pieces are really critical. And I'm definitely certain to mention how that plays out at Wolves of Maine Sanctuary, but also in people's homes.
1: I think a lot of dog owners believe they are helping their dog by looking at the world from the dog's perspective when what they're actually doing is imprinting or projecting their own point Um, of view. So they think the walk is the dog's exercise and we're going to go on this one mile route or this 30 minute route. And that's the dog's exercise. And what I do for my own exercise is my Peloton or my weightlifting or whatever that repetitive thing is and not realizing that outing, and I'm not even going to call it a walk. I'm going to say an outing because it can encompass so much more than walking Mm -hmm. is kind of what you said. That's their whole day. So Mm -hmm. you didn't just do the rowing machine. You also went to the grocery store and you Mm -hmm. had coffee with your best friend. And then you talked across the fence with your neighbor And then you read a book and you went to work and you did all of this variety of things, had this variety of stimulus and got to make a lot of choices along the way. Where am I going to go for coffee? Who am I going to have coffee with? What am I going to buy at the grocery store? What questions am I going to ask? How am I going to answer the questions when I'm having that conversation across the fence with the neighbor? All of that variety and stimulus allows you to have a richer experience. The dog is getting all of that from the walk, hopefully. And then mm-hmm. in addition to that, whatever playtime and stimulus and entertainment you provide. But the biggest part of it is going to be that outing. Mm-hmm. So to your point, how can you provide a richer experience? How can you give the dog body autonomy? How can you allow them to make choices and have a more fulfilling experience and more fulfilling life so Absolutely. so yes yeah, that proper perspective taking instead of just projecting your experience onto the dog
0: yeah that's really important you and, and I have certainly been caught up in that myself. Two out of four of my pups are huskies. And uh, initially when I rescued them uh, from Texas, and I was just thinking huskies in Texas. (laughs) I heard a few of your listeners, huskies in Texas? Like, yes, there's a lot of huskies in Texas. And two of my huskies, you know, I I got them both at 10 months of age. And I just had it in my mind that, oh my gosh, we have to run like 10 miles a day. And I remember at one point, one of my, her name is Ember. I call her Ember, my empress, because she's, she's the total queen. And I remember at one point, she would just sit down when we would bike drawer, which is a bike that has special equipment on it. And the dogs wear special harnesses and I pedal the bike and they pull and they absolutely love that. But Ember would sit and she was like, she would definitely say, no, I don't want to do this. It took me a few times to figure out, well, is it the sand? We happen to be at a beach, or is it you're not feeling comfortable today? And it was just that she didn't feel like running. I got caught up in projecting, oh, I have a husky. I need to run a million miles a day. When it was, hey, I need to take a step back and look at what is my dog telling me, and how can I better support her? And on that day, in that moment, she just wasn't up for it. Over time, I I realized she really wasn't interested in that at all. So we don't do that exercise anymore. And that is true for dogs through their whole lifespan. There's things they might enjoy and want to do when they're puppies and adolescent dogs. and, And that maybe changes when they're adult dogs. And the recommendation I give to every single client that I have is when we have modern dogs, and most of our dogs are not farm dogs, living, you know, totally entertained by squirrels and sheep and, Mm -hmm. and, and that type of world where they really got their fulfillment in that way. We, as modern pet parents need to add in those stimuli to support them. And one of my baseline recommendations is two to three physical enrichments per day and two to three mental enrichments per day, and that will certainly be higher if you have puppies and adolescent dogs. That would be higher if you have a high drive dog. Examples of that might be maybe we do tug, tug with rules, really important. And that could be physical enrichment number one. Or we go for a walk or maybe we use sniff spot where you can rent someone's backyard and let them run around and you get your own hour.
1: And And I'll link to sniff spot in the description both the website and to the interview we had with the founder of Sniff Spot on Dog World. Oh, you
0: did. Yes. Wonderful. So I, I'm a huge advocate of Sniff Spot. I do not advocate the use of dog parks from a behavioral lens that's very high risk, very unnatural for canines to be in that situation. So Sniff Spot is a wonderful alternative where you essentially get your own private yard that you can let your dog run free and enjoy all the different smells and uh, the sniff spots that I've seen the sniff spot owners they they really go above and beyond I've seen fire pits and lawn chairs and water stations and they have an incentive to
1: make it a an appealing option and something that you would want to repeat. So someone who just throws their uh, yard up on sniff spot as an option isn't going to get any business. And so, yeah, they have an incentive to do it right. And they're always adding locations, new people joining. And the great thing is, one of the many great things about it is the variety. Mm -hmm. So there's a variety of price points. You can Mm -hmm. spend more for a larger yard that has a pool and uh, the fire pit or you can spend less for one that is just a big open space but doesn't have a lot of things to do but has more than what is available in your apartment.
0: Yep, yeah.
1: And uh, find one that works for you and then the variety. Like we go to this yard one time and we go to a different yard another time and, and circle back to the ones that the dogs seem to like.
0: Yeah, I love... Also, it's uh, with so many people who have canines who are struggling with maybe the sight of other canines or the sound of other canines. You know, having a dog who struggles in that way with other dogs, this is a great way to give them that freedom of movement, not on a leash, and just have at it and go enjoy the world at their pace in a safe environment and uh, also support the owner and as far as, you know, feeling less stress and, and helping them meet their dog's needs. It's a wonderful resource. I, I re- highly recommend Sniff
1: Spot. I yeah, just think of the thrill of going to a place with all those new smells.
0: Yes. Yes. And especially if you're smell oriented, that's mm-hmm. a huge deal for, for the species.
1: One of the challenges with Rosie fund is we sponsor senior and harder to adopt dogs with a Rosie life starter kit. So, that when one of our featured dogs gets adopted, they get a leash, a collar, treats, toys, and some gift certificates to buy some of the things that they need. So, of course, the shelter lets us know this Rosie Fun dog has been adopted and it's like, great, and we need, let's sponsor another dog. And we usually have multiple dogs that we're featuring at a time. But then we also find out when. The next day or a week later, someone has brought a dog back. Mm -hmm. And typically, it's, this just was not a fit, or there's more work than I realized. And sometimes, but rarely, that was the best decision to make for that dog, and that you find out they're really stressed that it's in an apartment. And because of what we learned about the dog in the shelter, we didn't realize that was going to be stressful for the dog. We need to get it to someplace there. There's a yard or, or a neighbor was just not cooperative and there's nothing that can be done about this. That's rare. Most of the time it's people not willing to do the work Mm -hmm. of acclimating this dog or they had another dog. And while it was explained to them at the shelter, here's how you do an introduction Here's the timeline for that introduction. They come back the next day and say, these dogs didn't get along at all. Even though we did the meet and sure. greet at the shelter and they did, it just doesn't work at our house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's not something you should know in 24 hours. Right. There shouldn't have been enough interactions for you to make that determination with mm-hmm. them only being at your house overnight. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just circling back to if you adopt a rosy fun dog, a great follow-up would be, And now I'm going to sign up for Sacred Paws online, one-on-one. How do I introduce my dog to my new dog? How do I socialize them properly? How do I give them the tools to be successful? That you're making a commitment to this dog. And only in the rarest of occasions should that commitment be for just 24 hours or a week.
0: Yeah, it's really important for people to realize, you know, the things you know, growing up with Goofy and Mickey Mouse and Lassie, and trying to think of some other dogs that we might have seen in our time. That those are the most, I guess, inaccurate depictions of canine and human relationship. And when you adopt a dog, it is just like getting in a relationship with a, a new friend or a new partner. There's so much you need to learn about each other and it takes time. And, oh, you're triggered by the way I leave dishes in the sink. Well, let's talk about that. (laughs) So it's exactly the same in terms of when you adopt a dog there's a history there, there's things that scare them, just like humans, there's things that, you know, that might scare them. So it's about how can I set myself up and my new dog up for the greatest success, so that we're both in a place where we can learn and grow and support each other through the process. And I know, a lot of people are still operating from that kind of program of dogs come prepackaged and they know all their cues. They're never gonna poop in the house and they're gonna go with me everywhere. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So it's really important if you're gonna adopt a dog to really be mindful that this dog is his own unique individual, but also to seek support and positive reinforcement trainers is where I would start. If there's a behavior that seems a little bit more trickier, I would search out a dog behavior consultant or a certified animal applied behaviorist. And if it really seems like this dog needs more support, a veterinary behaviorist would be another option as well. So there's definitely support out there and just know that this is just like changing a behavior of your own going on a diet, getting in a new relationship, whatever it is, it it takes time and things that are worthwhile are not easy. And it's definitely worth the hard work of building a healthy and happy relationship with your new companion.
1: And being open to the changes they might bring to your life that could make it better. So if they don't fit the template of exactly what you envisioned the relationship being, that doesn't mean... You move on from that dog. Explore what they have to offer you. You, you mm-hmm. meet a, a new friend, a neighbor, and you hit it off. And uh, you think, oh wow, this this person could be a good friend. It might be someone you know I could I could play racquetball with. And you find out, oh, they don't play racquetball. Okay, well, mm-hmm. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> so but wait a minute they they recommend a book that you would not have otherwise read. They bring that into your life and they introduce you to other neighbors that you wouldn't meet if you weren't friends with them. That all mm-hmm. this richness that they can bring to your life. But okay, so they don't play racquetball. That's a deal breaker. It's like well just because this dog doesn't fit your expectations that maybe they don't want to play fetch. Mm-hmm. Or they don't want to pull your bike as you described you get so much more from them beyond that.
0: Right. Oh, yes, absolutely. And honestly, every single one of my dogs and in, in, in my life have been some of my greatest teachers helping me really unlock things that I otherwise wouldn't have unlocked. And I really owe them that gratitude in terms of being a better person that I am today than I was yesterday and the day before and the day before, because of that relationship we've built over time together and, and sharing our lives together, you know, it's not just this isolated, oh, the dog is um, a chair or a table and, and yeah. you know, you can just leave it and forget yeah. They're it. They're not like, no, an accessory.
1: Is. They're a part of no. it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I've said so. it many times on Dog Words, dogs make us better people.
0: Mm, Yes, absolutely. They sure do.
1: Well, I'm so grateful that you and Kim and Chelsea and everyone involved with Wolves of Maine Sanctuary are helping these wolf hybrids live their best life. But the most important takeaway is that there shouldn't be wolf hybrids. That it's great that there are sanctuaries like yours and others across the country that are taking care of them. But more importantly, listeners, the lesson isn't, oh, These are amazing creatures. I got to get me one. Mm -hmm. Don't promote this practice of breeding wolves with dogs because the majority of them don't end up in Wolves of Maine Sanctuary or any place like that. It is Mm -hmm. a, a much worse situation, and it would be better if we were able to get to the point where the wonderful volunteers and staff at Wolves of Maine Sanctuary can move on to other ways to serve their community and not have to have a wolf sanctuary. So thank you for what you do, but let's continue the hard work of making it unnecessary.
0: Yes, thank you, Phil. Yeah, it's, that's really important. And I, if I remember correctly, I don't remember if it was 2 million or 4 million pets are euthanized, Per year in the united states so when we look at animals with quote-unquote behavioral issues and that is you know a big pandora's box in itself that is a big reason why we see euthanasia and especially when we look at our wolf dogs and wolf hybrids and even pet wolves because we've seen that too the biggest reason we see them and they come across us is because they are too much to handle. They're tearing and shredding up the house. They're not getting their needs met. There might be a bite history involved because they're stressed out and they're living in a kennel. We see that quite a bit where they've, they're living in a four by four space, which is so inappropriate for a wolf. Yeah, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And we have wolves on site with that history so it's really critical that we are mindful about this and we will you know ultimately we would love not to exist because we we feel wolves belong in the wild but unfortunately there's still illegal breeding going on and that lands in a home that can't support that animal fully and we hope to help them out but That is not always the case. Or other sanctuaries, unfortunately, a lot of times they end up in shelters or they are euthanized. So it's important to come away from that practice.
1: Well, we're doing yes to support what uh, you and your colleagues are doing, and I'm proud that Rosie Fund in this episode and other episodes has hopefully helped to educate the public and. I am optimistic that our listeners will spread the word when you have an opportunity to educate someone on this topic, you will do so. And an easy way to do that is to share this episode, whatever service you are listening to it on. Pass that link along, share it, like it, and uh, encourage others to subscribe to Dog Words and to follow Stephanie at Sacred Paws, and our friends at Wolves of Maine Sanctuary. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming back to Dog Words, and we look forward to having you on again soon with updates on Howell and all of his friends at Wolves of Maine Sanctuary and any other advice you have for our listeners on dog behavior and dog nutrition and relationships that we have with these amazing animals. Thank you for being on Dog Words, Stephanie. Thank you so much, Phil. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Stephanie Smith of Sacred Paws for joining us today. Links to OurSacredPaws.com and all of its social media are in the description. A big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Supporting The Wires supports our mission. Learn more about The Wires, including their concert schedule, at thewires.info, and download their music on iTunes. Check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Go to rosyfund.org to shop and get links to our social media. As always, please download, follow, rate, and share Dog Words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosiefund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions via the contact form at rosyfund.org and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor or a guest of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening to Dog Words and remember, we save each other.